athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You are locked in to the Dopa Show on radio. This is Box to Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. We're about 48, 47, 48 days away from the start of the HBCU football season. And I can't wait. Like the spring season, I think, was a bit of an appetizer to what we are going to expect for the fall season and for quite a few teams. I mean, you're looking at, I think, the majority really of the teams, you're looking at a situation where teams haven't played in 21 months. It's been 21 months. So you're going to have to see how teams are going to respond. And we're going to talk a lot more. I'm going to, I really want to focus today on the MEAC and the SWAC and give you some of my thoughts, a little bit of a preview, even though we are about a month and a half away from the start of the season. As we've seen, that's going to jump uh, right on us. Listen, a whole lot more to get to on today's program. You know, I'm here now. Like, been go- I was gone last week, went on another vacation after going on a vacation the previous week to that. And so pretty much I'm back. Got the vacations uh, out of us. I don't want to say out of the way, but sort of out of us now. Because, listen, with the pandemic, I mean, the children were in the house the majority of the time. I mean, we did all of the virtual learning. So imagine that. I mean, and if you have children uh, and maybe even some of you that had to work from home virtually, right? I mean, you're in the in the house. I mean, the majority of the day, the majority of the time, especially when you're talking about uh, if you live where uh, the weather gets cold, Right. I mean, it, it, it's a lot. Right. So I think we, you know, we the children deserve to to kind of uh, have a couple of vacations. And and so now we're back in the swing of things really here uh, on Box to Row, meaning for the duration. I'm going to be here and uh, we're going to get you set. We're going to always, as we always do, we're going to talk plenty of sports here on the program, talk plenty of other stuff here on the program, give you great guests as we do here on Botch to Row. We're coming up, as a matter of fact, on celebrating 16 years on the air. August 20th will be 16 years on the air, 16 years for Box to Row. So a lot of things to get in today. We have the NBA Finals, which is now tied at two apiece. I don't know if I, I didn't see that. Certainly, I did not see that coming, that the NBA Finals would be tied at two games apiece. Uh, the way that Phoenix 
roared out. But as the old saying goes, a series doesn't begin until the road team wins a game. And to this point, both the, the home team has won both of the respective uh, games at home. I mean, you and, and I'll listen, game four was as about uh, was about as good as you get in an NBA finals. I look at, and thank you, NBA. We talked about this last year, right? Like the NBA, I don't know what the NBA was thinking about when it scheduled the final game last year between the Lakers and the Heat on a Sunday right up against the National Football League. Like I was so into the, like, I mean, I'm admitting this, and I'm going to say it again. I was so into the league that I forgot that there was an NBA, a game. I guess it would have been what game five because the Lakers, I I think the Lakers closed it out. If I'm not mistaken, closed it out in five games on last year. So I didn't understand why the league would have an NBA final. And I get it because of COVID, but you, but still when you're in the midst of, of the National Football League season or even football, you don't necessarily want to have games on a Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. You have to work your way around that. And so, so far this year, it's been good because the league, the NBA, has not had games on a Friday, which is bad. All right. Any other day right now is okay. And most of the games you're you're looking at, you know, we had uh, game four was played on Wednesday. That's good. And really, if you look at it, you had Sunday, Wednesday between the time between games three and four. Sunday, Wednesday was uh, an extra was really three days, but two whole days off when generally what the NBA has done, you'll have a day off. You'll go, they'll go like, well, uh, what they used to do, they would start the the NBA playoffs. And it's interesting. Generally, they would start the NBA finals on a Thursday. But if the if the games got over, the respective series in the Eastern and Western Conference finals would get over a little bit early than they may start it on a Tuesday, which actually happened this year. So we started on a Tuesday. They go Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. But if even if they started initially on a Thursday, it would go Thursday, Sunday, Tuesday, no, it would go Thursday, Sunday. Then sometimes they would even go Wednesday, Friday. I never understood why the NBA played games on a Friday, but they finally gotten it right, I think. Uh, You want to play, if you're going to play on the weekends, you want to play on a Saturday or a Sunday. And really not allowing too much time in between games. So I think the NBA has finally got that right so with that said we're tied at two games apiece we have game five which is going to take place in phoenix on saturday and it's about time it's about time uh that a road team finally wins can the bucks get it done on the road clearly the crowd has been the reason to me why the series is tied at two games apiece and that both home teams have won their respective games. Phoenix really dominated in the first two games. Okay. 
You you have game three. It comes back to Milwaukee. I mean, I think everybody thought, listen, I think Milwaukee's going to be up, going to be ready to play, going to be fired up, going to be back at home. And Milwaukee certainly was. It wasn't even a game. It was a blowout. I, I don't remember the – I don't have it in front of me, the final score. But, it, I mean, Milwaukee at, at one time was up at least by 20 points. So – then you think, okay, Phoenix is going to make some adjustments in game four. Anything can happen. And really, it and Phoenix did. I mean, Phoenix did make some adjustments. Obviously, you had a lot of turnovers with respect to the Suns. That hurt them down the stretch. Uh, Antetokounmpo's block uh, was absolutely huge. I, I hear comparisons to LeBron's block back in 2016 in the NBA Finals against the Warriors. Uh, not the same. I mean, I, I think, you know, that chase down block. Um, and at that time, I, if I'm not mistaken, at that time, I think that Cleveland, I think Cleveland may have been ahead at that time. This is a little bit different because the momentum was definitely in favor uh, of, I think, of, 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 well, Phoenix was right there, right? Even though Milwaukee had taken the lead at that point, Milwaukee had had the two-point lead. The momentum, well, the momentum really could have gone either way. And that was an absolutely huge block. But then also, you have Chris Paul, you know, with about 30 seconds or so remaining inexplicably. You know, he does the crossover move, then he tries to, go back to his right, and ultimately falls down, slips, loses the ball. In essence, that's the ball game. I mean, so I don't know that that's the story, right? I think the crowd played big. Uh, Phoenix had that game. I thought, once again, even when you look at game three, the Bucks get out to slow starts throughout the course of this series. The Bucks have gotten out to slow starts. They were able to roar back in game three, they were able to keep it close in game four, even though Phoenix was trying to separate itself. And ultimately, the Bucks got a couple of plays here and there. The defense was really good. I mean, Devin Booker went for 40 plus points or went for 40 points in the ball game. But, you know, they didn't he didn't have much help in the ball game. So you got to figure, OK, is that going to be the same scenario in Game five. Is that going to be the same scenario in game five? So a lot to get to and more to get to with respect to the NBA finals here on the program. You know, it's interesting. Sports is a big reflection of life. Sports is a big reflection of life and of of, of real life. Because when you're in, and when, and when I say sports, I mean more even more specifically pro sports when you're when 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 it's when it's pro sports right like you know us as you I don't know want to say regular people but you know we you know we do our jobs we have a job we or whatever these guys are making you know a lot of money I mean not everybody is a millionaire but you know you're pretty you're pretty comfortable right it's different it's a, and that's why I say, but it's a reflection when you look at when we're talking about COVID-19, right? So COVID-19 numbers are going up around or across the country. The numbers are on 
the rise. Well, guess what? We're hearing about a lot of incidences where COVID-19 is still continuing to affect sports. We didn't talk about the NC State baseball situation that happened a couple of weeks ago. I was on vacation when that happened, and that was very unfortunate for NC State. Boy, I think the Wolfpack really had a chance uh, to maybe win the College World Series uh, this year. Well, the Wolfpack, impacted by COVID-19, had to uh, uh, be ruled, in essence, a no contest and could not continue in the College World Series. Now you have, I mean, you have some situations um, that have happened this week. The Yankees and the Red Sox were supposed to play on Thursday. The game had to be postponed because the Yankees had another outbreak. This isn't the first outbreak for the Yankees. The Yankees had another outbreak. General Manager Brian Cashman seemed to be very frustrated by the whole situation, which I'm going to talk about a little bit more later on. Bradley Bill of the Washington Wizards is playing for Team USA uh, in the Olympics. Bradley Bill now has to sit out because of COVID-19 protocols. And then ultimately, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder were supposed to fight a trilogy next weekend. That's off now because Fury has tested positive for COVID. We're going to get into more of that on the other side, and NBA Finals talk plus Swack and Miak talk still to come as Box to Row rolls on. Hello, my name is Precious Rose Dunlap, and this is my mother, Michelle Timberlake Roll, founder of Marjorie's Beef Jerky Incorporated. We would at this time like to thank our new customers as well as our repeating customers for your business. For every one million orders that we receive, our company is giving two million dollars away to the bottom amongst 400 of our paid customers. You see. That's the way we roll. So come place an order at www.marjoriesbeefjerky.com. That's www.marjoriesbeefjerky.com. Marjorie's Beef Jerky is the best tasting beef jerky on this planet. Marjorie's Beef Jerky. Yeah, that's right. Cause that's the way we roll. The others pretend you're listening to the show that brings you up close and personal up close and personal with the biggest names in sports and entertainment here's the man to bring it to you donald ware don't forget to check out the box to row youtube page for some great conversations that we've had on Box to Row over the years. As a matter of fact, the Stan Verrett interview from a couple of weeks ago is up on the YouTube page currently. In conversations with Michael Strahan, with Omari Hardwick, uh, with Bianca Belair, uh, all up on our YouTube page. So search Box to Row on YouTube. Still to come here on the program, my early thoughts on the MEAC. And the SWAC, the SWAC is having its media day on next week in Birmingham. And the MEAC is going to have its media day at the end of the month. So I'm going to have some thoughts on the MEAC and the SWAC, as a matter of fact. Also going to have some thoughts on the other, you know, CIAA, hadn't played in a while, SIAC teams, A&T. 
uh, Hampton, Tennessee State. And of course, over the next month and a half or so, we're going to really dig in and dive in to some HBCU football here on the program. So I want to get back to the conversation and to what we were talking about on the other side of the break in terms of how sports and more specifically pro sports mirrors real life, if you will, and even more specifically uh, with respect to COVID-19. So numbers, unfortunately, are on the rise all across the country. And you have a situation uh, right now, as mentioned, uh, the Yankees unable to play their game against the Red Sox on Thursday because of another COVID-19 outbreak. And this isn't the first for the Yankees. Bradley Beal, uh, as Greg Popovich, who is the coach of USA Basketball, said this has been a dream of Bradley Beal's to play on the USA Olympic team. It had been a dream of his, yet. Um, He's in COVID-19 protocol, and it's interesting because uh, the Wizards uh, during the course of the season were also in uh, had a had an outbreak. Uh, As a matter of fact, I don't remember if Bradley Beal was a part of that, if he had gotten COVID-19. But I mean, there was an outbreak with respect to the Wizards. And then ultimately, Tyson Fury was supposed to have fought Deontay Wilder. Next Saturday, I mean, I was looking forward to that fight. Like now that fight has actually been rescheduled until October 9th and was looking forward to the fight uh, between those three. But Tyson Fury has COVID-19. And again, with respect to specifically in this case, pro sports mirroring real life, uh, if you will, I don't like I'm not sure. And, I, and and there's been some discussion in terms of athletes and if an athlete is going to get we have. I mean, I guess my thing is and, and, and we can talk about those three situations, but just across the board uh, in general, I mean, we have a vaccine and I'm not trying to tell. I mean, I think, you know, I'm not trying to tell anybody what to do. I will say that I've had my vaccine. I'm not going to advocate for you getting your vaccine. I mean, what you do is what you do. But my thought process is this. I mean, I want to be safe for for everyone. Right. And even more specifically for my family. So if if we're in a pandemic and there's a situation or. There is something available in this instance. There is a shot that is available um, to for a COVID-19. Then I guess just being the person that I am, I'm not, you know, I'm not interested in rights and how many rights you have and, you know, all of those kind of things. I mean, I, I just want to be safe for the people that I come into contact with uh, specifically on a regular basis and. Even even and also with those that I just come into contact with, uh, generally speaking. And I just wonder if I, I don't know the Yankees situation. Uh, I don't know Tyson Fury's situation. I don't know Bradley Bill's situation, although I do know Bradley Bill had, had gone through something uh, similar to this earlier, just like the Yankees did 
um, as well. And 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 I and I know that just because you get the shot, it doesn't. I mean, pretty. It, it doesn't guarantee that you won't get COVID nineteen. I think uh, what has been talked about it is that you won't get as you won't get as many of the symptoms. The symptoms won't be as severe. But I think if everybody gets the shot, then the likelihood of anybody getting COVID-19 becomes uh, even less. I'm not a, I'm not a doctor here. I'm not trying to preach in all of those kind of things, but I'm just wondering if the shot is available and there's a vaccination and a, or a vaccine that is in fact available, multiple vaccines. As a matter of fact, we started out with it. You had to, we, we had like, I think it was five, stages of when you could get the vaccine if you were you know 65 or older you were in that stage if you uh you know were uh first responder you were in that stage so on and so forth but now we're to the point where anyone can get a vaccine and not only that they are begging people they are in essence begging people to get the vaccine yet for whatever reason, I mean, I, and, and again, I mean, people, I guess people have their reasons, right? Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess my question would be, and and, and all of the pro sports leagues have said they're going to leave it up to the players, but isn't not having a vaccine, and we can talk about people's rights and, you know, if if, if you have the right to do this and the right to do that, and I'm, and I'm all for rights. Believe me, I'm all for rights. I think you should, you know, that's what this country, in essence, uh, it was built on a lot of things. But in part, you have rights. But in a pandemic and in certain situations and really, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we have rights, but I mean, those I mean, those rights at any time can be taken away. Right. And I'm just wondering in this scenario, I mean, really can be. Right. If the government decides, you know, it's a certain situation and they want every, I mean, they really can, especially if it's in the best interest of the public. I'm, I, I guess the, this pandemic doesn't go to that point And you probably you probably couldn't regulate that as a government. Right. To uh, to the population as a whole. But in sports and specifically in professional sports, can that be regulated? Should professional athletes I'm throwing the question out there right because of what we're seeing uh, in professional sports uh, should professional sports athletes be mandated to have a shot now to have the vaccine now you could look at it from a number of different ways I mean if you if you mandate that professional athletes have get the vaccine then the athletes can go and say well we're I'm not going to play you know, that that definitely can happen. So I think that if you're in professional sports and with the professional sports leagues, I think it's a catch 22 situation. That's why you don't want to mandate. And I think it's strongly uh, encouraged. You know, I guess it really comes down to the players and ultimately in society, it comes down to the people. What is your you know, if you haven't gotten, I, I want to ask you out there, right? If you haven't gotten the vaccine, why? What? Why haven't you gotten the vaccine? Is it because you don't want anybody to tell you what to do? Is it because 
maybe it's because of the history of some things that have happened in this country. Uh, is it uh, because uh, you're you may be concerned with perhaps some of the side effects that could come along with getting the vaccine? And there are side effects They're they're they, they in the long run. Right. I think the side effects are 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 not that great. When you're talking about in the long run, but there are side effects. So if you haven't gotten the vaccine, what is your reasoning for not having gotten the vaccine? And again, throwing it, throwing it out there, should sports, professional sports leagues mandate that their athletes get the vaccine? Because not only is it an interruption to what is happening to a respective organization, which means a loss of money in some respects to said organization. It's a risk to other people at you. We, you know, Brian Cashman talked about it with the Yankees. He seemed very frustrated. Uh, as a matter of fact, he didn't say, well, we need to, you know, we need as the Yankees to get the vaccine. He didn't say that, but he, he was extremely frustrated behind that almost to the point that it seemed like, that is something that, at least from my interpretation, he was, you know, going down that road without saying it, you know. And so should there be uh, a mandate? Because it's bad for business. There's no question about that. It is bad for business. Um, uh, loss of revenue for the teams, the Yankees and the, and the Red Sox. And of course, they're going to make it up. But I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, it's just a bad, bad Look, I want to get your thoughts. If you have not, two questions. If you haven't gotten the vaccine, why not? It's it's your thing. I'm just interested to know. And then should professional sports teams mandate that their athletes get the vaccine? On Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. W. Also, who do you have in game? Ultimately, I would say ultimately in the NBA finals. In other words, who's going to win the series? And then ultimately, who do you have Saturday night for game five series tied at two apiece between the Bucks and the Suns? It's been a pretty good series to this point and a really, really good game on Wednesday, an outstanding game against two unlikely teams who saw that the Bucks or the Suns would ultimately be in the finals. But when you talk about ultimate uh, team, ultimate or teams that play ultimately ultimate team ball, these are those two teams. Goes back to Phoenix for game five on Saturday night. Do the Suns hold home court? Up next here on Box to Row, we're going to switch gears, talk some HBCU football as we take a early look at the MEAC and the SWAC. We're back here on Box to Row. 42, maybe 43 days to the start of the football season, and it's going to be an interesting football season to say the least. You've got plenty of teams As a matter of fact, the majority of the HBCU teams did not play in the spring and ultimately, of course, did not play in 2020. So you're talking about teams that last played November, December of 2019. It's going to be interesting 
to see some of those teams and how things ultimately kick off and ultimately go for those those teams. And I want to preview a couple of the the, the conferences. And in this segment, we're going to preview this. I'm going to give you some thoughts that I have on the SWAC overall now that you have Florida A&M, now that you have Bethune-Cookman coming into the conference. Both will be in the SWAC's Eastern Division while Alcorn State moves out to the West. This is going to be an exciting season. The MEAC, you know, down to six teams, and we've talked about this with respect to the MEAC. I still think the MEAC is going to be competitive. We saw what South Carolina State was able to do in the spring. Well, I should say somewhat competitive. You know South Carolina State's going to be good. I feel like North Carolina Central uh, is going to be good. I feel like Morgan State is going to be improved this year. We'll see if Howard is better. Certainly only two games played in the spring. We'll see if Delaware State is better in the spring as well. So it's interesting when you're talking about teams that haven't even really have, haven't played. They haven't played in almost really what 21 months, not to play football. I mean, not to play any uh, athletics, but particularly football. Yeah. You can look at some of the, maybe the conditioning and uh, spring and all of that. I mean, nothing compares to actually playing. So we'll talk more about that the season's going to get kicked off on August the 28th Central State's going to be at home against Kentucky State again Central State and Kentucky State did not have not played football since November of 2019 the SIAC deciding not to play football in the spring and as did most of division well not I don't know maybe not most of division 2 but a lot of the division 2 conferences decided not to play in the spring ultimately Edward Waters by the way congratulations to Edward Waters no longer Edward Waters College now Edward Waters University yes Edward Waters University uh, will open the season against Florida Memorial University that game is going to be played in Jacksonville it's going to be played on campus it's uh, of the campus of Edward Waters who has the nice stadium. We talked about that a a lot. Uh, As a matter of fact, when Edward Waters decided to move on in a different direction with its head football coach, letting Gregory Ruffin, who who apparently gotten a lot of uh, what Edward Waters has been able to accomplish from a facility standpoint. I mean, he was, you know, he, he was a catalyst in that. But at the end of the day, Edward Waters is going to continue against Florida Memorial, love it. I mean, these, my understanding, these two teams have not played maybe uh, in, if not close to 60 years, over 60 years. You're talking about Edward Waters out of Jacksonville, Florida Memorial, right? Out of Miami. And so that that should be interesting in of itself. Then you have... The rekindling of the MEAC SWAC Challenge, a game did not play, take place in 2020, and ultimately a good matchup, right? Ultimately a good matchup, Alcorn State and North Carolina Central. You have two teams on equal footing from the standpoint of not having played in 2019. I think it was appropriate because had any other SWAC team played all of the other well, 
except for Bethune, Cookman, and Florida A&M who were not in the SWAC in the spring uh, or this past spring. But if you look at all of the other schools, Alcorn State was the only school that that did not play in the spring. And I think it's appropriate that Alcorn State's going to be the team that represents the SWAC uh, because ultimately if and I think in looking at some of these matchups, um, if you have a matchup, Alcorn State's going to – I mean, this is a – it's good for Alcorn State, right, to get out of the gate, to play in prime time, uh, to be the, the only team playing uh, – one of the only teams playing, I should say, on Saturday. The game's going to be uh, – or August 28th, that game is going to be on ESPN. I think actually it's a Sunday game, and that game is going to be on ESPN. It, it 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 may not be as crisp a game as you would like to see, but Alcorn State needs these games because you look at what the uh, Western Division of the SWAC has to offer this year. Arkansas Pine Bluff's going to be very very good this year. I think all uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, you have to look at them, and I look at them to defend the SWAC's Western. Division, all respect to Alcorn State. But again, Arkansas Pine Bluff did what a lot of people didn't think it could do, ultimately play in the SWAC championship game. No, it did not win the SWAC championship. But the advantage, I think, throughout the, maybe even throughout, I think, maybe at least half of the season, is that Arkansas Pine Bluff is going to be, you listen, five or six games is more than zero games. Okay? And yes, you have a situation where UAPB did not play any games in 2020, but they got back out there and they look good, right, in 2021 in the spring. So I think ultimately, and I'm going to talk more about the SWAC and my thoughts, but I think ultimately Arkansas Pine Bluff wins the Western Division of the SWAC, but I think it's a good matchup out of the gate that Alcorn State and North Carolina Central are going to play in that MEAC SWAC championship, and you're talking about a game two teams that did not ultimately play in the uh, in the spring, and, and that's a long time not to play football. So let's take a look at, first of off, the Eastern Division. I think Alabama A&M is going to be really, really good. If you thought Aquil Glass was good in the, what, five or six games that he played in the spring, just wait, okay, because he was getting, think about it, Aquil Glass was absolutely outstanding. He was the Box Toro National Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, put up some phenomenal numbers, but not only did he put up phenomenal numbers, the eye test said that he had a phenomenal season. So he had the spring to kind of get back into the flow of things. He's got an awesome and absolutely outstanding receiving group that's coming back. No question about it. Uh, I think Alabama A&M has to be the favorite. I think Jackson State is going to be uh, in, uh, uh, improved. No question about it. Deion Sanders in his first go around, 3-3, three and three, not bad, uh, right? But ultimately, I think that uh, Alabama A&M is going to be that defending champion. I think Jackson State is going to be better. But this is the thing. Like, I'm looking at both Bethune-Cookman and Florida A&M coming in. And this is where I sit or sat, not anymore, with respect, even going back to 2019 and before. I always thought that top to bottom that the MEAC 
was better than the SWAC. When you're talking about pure football, I'm not talking about all of the other things, the popularity. Obviously, the SWAC is much more popular. The SWAC has been around much longer than the MEAC has been around. But when you talk about pure football, and, and especially defense, where defense, as they say, wins championships, the MEAC was the better conference of the two. Now you take two former MEAC schools who, by the way, made the MEAC, the, in my opinion, the better conference than the SWAC because if I look at it, I looked at, you know, an A&T the last couple of years, Florida A&M in 2019, right? As a matter of fact, Trump A&T in 2019, but Thune-Cookman has been so consistent, so consistent right there with all the other schools. I really like, like, I don't think that Florida A&M is going to win the Eastern Division. But that doesn't mean that the Rattlers don't have a shot. I think that, again, it's just going to be tough. And, by the way, Florida A&M and Jackson State are going to kick things off on September 4th in Miami Gardens, right? The home of the Miami Dolphins. Wow! What a football game that's going to be like. Don't be surprised. I don't know how many... Um, seats that that uh, the stadium holds, right? How many people could attend? And I, I'm assuming we would be, be at full capacity, especially with the game being in Florida. I mean, I'm sure by then, 47, 48 days, don't be surprised if that game is sold out. I mean, that is going to be a big-time football game going back to the days uh, when FAM and, and Jackson State used to get together, you're talking about two fan bases, particularly Jackson State, that travels extremely well. That's going to be an awesome football game. I just think that it's going to be hard, and I think for Florida A&M, talent-wise, if I had to look at talent, it definitely, to me, would be Florida A&M and Jackson State, talent-wise, in the swag. But it's beyond talent particularly when you're talking about Florida A&M having not played football in uh, about 21 months. Meanwhile, Jackson State uh, or Alabama A&M is, are the defending swag champs, right? And that's going to be a tough go. Jackson State's going to be improved. Jackson State pl- played in the spring, and that's going to be a tough game for Florida A&M, but it's going to be a measuring stick either way. Whether Florida A&M wins that game or not, the way Florida A&M plays in that football game ultimately is going to decide what happens. And I'm not saying Florida A&M cannot win that football game against Jackson State. I think Florida A&M's talent, I mean, if I look at the talent, and Florida A&M had everybody coming back from 2019 in that team that uh, unfortunately was ineligible uh, for the MEAC championship or to be MEAC champions, I should say, and ultimately ineligible to play in the Celebration Bowl, beat A&T in Tallahassee. So good football team. Most of those guys come back, haven't played football in 21 months. So it should be pretty interesting in the Eastern Division overall. But I'm interested to see. If I just took talent straight up and down, I, I may say Florida A&M is the team to beat in all of the swag. But again, two months off, that's a lot, or two years, 21 months off, that's a lot of time. Western Division, Alcorn State moves over, sort of the same scenario with respect to what I was just saying about Florida A&M. 
Alcorn State hasn't played since December of 2019 when it lost in the Celebration Bowl to North Carolina A&T. You've got an Arkansas Pine Bluff team that most of the guys are going to be coming back, won the Western Division, played well in the SWAC championship game, uh, got it done. Uh, you know, Southern's going to be a little bit different this year. No Dawson Odoms there at Southern. You're looking at Grambling to rebound. I'm not sleeping on uh, Prairie View A&M. Prairie View A&M is always going to be in the mix. But I definitely like Arkansas Pine Bluff in the Western Division. Your thoughts. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. We've got more of Box to Row on the other side. Hello, my name is Precious Rose Dunlap, and this is my mother, Michelle Timlake Roll, founder of Marjorie's Beef Jerky Incorporated. We would at this time like to thank our new customers as well as our repeating customers for your business. For every one million orders that we receive, our company is giving $2 million away to the bottom of 400 of our paid customers. You see, that's the way we roll! So come place an order at Marjorie's Beef Jerky! It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. In the last segment, talking about the SWAC and giving you my thoughts on who I think ultimately will win the SWAC. Yes, we're 47, 48 days away. Anything can ultimately happen. But listen, we're getting into this football thing, right? We're we're in the NBA Finals. That is still going on, right? We're we're, we're getting into fo- football now, and we're not that far away from the start of the college football season. Um, I, I can't wait. Like, I've been away from the last game that I broadcast, okay? Football was the Celebration Bowl. North Carolina A&T and Alcorn State. That was in December of 2019. I haven't called a football game in so long. It's been so long. I just absolutely cannot wait for the start of the football season. So talking about the SWAC in the last segment, I want to talk about the MEAC. And, and, and there are six teams in the MEAC. So the MEAC, eight teams overall, when you but six football-playing institutions. And, of course, all of these various Coaches, press conferences, and all of that are, are really all kicking off here in July. Um, so we're looking forward to that, and that's when you know football season is really, really here. The MEAC. So the MEAC, I think, is really, play, and rightfully so, especially once uh, it was decided, not only that uh, no, that ultimately the MEAC was not going to play football in the spring, but the losses of Florida A&M, Bethune-Cookman, and North Carolina A&T all this year are really, really big. But you still have six teams. It's a solid six teams. The six teams that ultimately are still in the conference, I don't really see those teams uh, really jumping ship at least anytime soon. I I think the school overall that may be in the best position to do so Uh, would be a Morgan State uh, because, again, maybe not the greatest in football, hasn't had that, uh, at least more recently. I mean, when you talk about great football programs of all time, Morgan State is there. You wouldn't know it maybe over the last maybe 40 years or so. But going back, I mean, Morgan State used to be dominant in the CIAA uh, and and it just really – 
uh, has fallen on some hard times, but I think it's going to be an improved uh, Morgan State program. Uh, but again, I think Morgan State would be in the best position to make a move. Uh, that said, I think the MEAC has really looked at recruiting some schools when uh, Florida A&M, Bethune-Cookman, and A&T ultimately all decided to leave. We really talked about this extensively, uh, and this happened in what? Well, A&T had already made the announcement what late January, early February of 2020, and then in May it was Florida A&M first and then Bethune-Cookman. It was like, okay, who do you, who do you go out and get? Teams or schools that ultimately made sense. Bowie State, good footprint right there in the DMV. In the Washington area, nice stadium, a really good football program right now, really a dominant football program currently in the CIAA. Um, you know, good facilities, uh, nice size school. Uh, again, footprint right in the DMV, right in the middle of, uh, of the MEAC. So I think that's a good move. You know, a school that may be a bit of a dark horse, to me, but a school, and I don't know if they have any interest. How about a West Virginia state in the Mount East conference, right? Probably didn't have the spring ultimately that the yellow jackets wanted to have, but had a good 2019 season and uh, a bigger school, uh, historically black college. Uh, right. Uh, and when you look at the drives, like, it's interesting. You think West Virginia State, you think more northern, right? But when I looked at it, the farthest school, at least in a from a driving perspective, from West Virginia State is actually Delaware State, which is in Dover, which is part of the Northeast. But it's about a it's maybe a little more than a seven hour drive. So you're 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 not talking about an inordinate amount of driving time. Uh, I looked at, you know, Orangeburg, South Carolina state's like six and a half hours, you know, Norfolk state six and a half hours. I, I didn't have, I didn't look at Morgan, but it's going to be less than Howard uh, would be, which was about six, somewhere between six, six and a half hours. Right. So, you know, that's a school that's on the rise in football. Um, good numbers in terms of student, population enrollment um it's an hbcu I, I think at this point the MEAC isn't really looking at whether you're an hbcu or not they're just trying to recruit schools um you know i don't i don't know i i, I think uh, i i think west virginia state may be a bit of a dark horse don't know if though any of those conversations have even happened i'm just kind of throwing it out there in terms of the MEAC and trying to reach recruit schools because if one more school leaves I mean, that's going to be to the detriment. You're already sort of, you're, you're, I don't want to say, well, in essence, the MEAC is sort of hanging on by a thread, but I think it's in good position. I think it's, it's solvent. It's very good financially. So I, I think, you know, if you can get another school or two to just reinforce what you already have with the six schools, which I think all six schools are solid. I mean, I think that puts the MEAC back over the top. And if you could get a Bowie State, you know, Virginia State, I mean, you're talking about two uh, schools. Virginia State, by the way, you know, Petersburg, that Richmond Tri-Cities area, that's a good medium market. 
uh, right? West Virginia, uh, Virginia State's got a, a, a nice campus, outstanding facilities, good student population, enrollment, et cetera. Be a nice school to have um, as well. So, you know, just those couple of schools and, and wonder really how things are progressing uh, with uh, whether it's those three schools or any school in terms of another school coming to the MEAC. So we already talked about uh, the MEAC, and I'm going to preview the MEAC a bit here. North Carolina Central and Alcorn State play uh, in, of course, that MEAC SWAC Challenge on Sunday, August 28th. That game is in Atlanta. It's on ESPN, and that should be a good one. Again, you're talking about two programs that, if you look at the last five or six years, have been uh, at at the top or near the top in their respective conferences. I know North Carolina Central, maybe the last couple of years, not as much, but the previous to that, definitely. I mean, you talk about 2016 winning the MEAC outright and ultimately playing Grambling in the Celebration Bowl, ultimately losing in a close ball game to Grambling, but a good game to start off with. Um, you know, I, again, I... South Carolina State is the is the is the team, the program that played the most amount of games in the spring. And by the way, remember, um, uh, South Carolina State played Alabama A&M, which was, you know, I mean, that's a that's a big time game. Only loss on the season uh, ultimately for South Carolina State. I think South Carolina State has to be the team to beat. Not only because it is extremely talented, you look at that defense. I think the defense is going to be, uh, it's going to be really, really good. You look at the quarterback play. Uh, that offensive line is going to be good as well. Um, but I think ultimately, uh, <laughs> South Carolina State has played, I believe, four and one, so five games played in the spring. A game, Norfolk State, Morgan State, well, Norfolk State and Morgan State ultimately did not play any games. Neither neither of those schools played any game. Howard any games. Howard played two games. Delaware State played uh, I think it was three. It may, may have been four games. Three uh or uh, or four games. And I just think it's gonna take, you know, particularly a Morgan State, particularly a um a Norfolk State some time to really get back into the action. It's going to take some time to get back into the flow of the game for, for players to hit players, for players to get hit. Like, you don't just sit out 21 months. And, yeah, I mean, but, but I'm talking about real college football. I'm not talking about practice. I'm talking about real college football. And then ultimately just jump back into it like nothing ever happened, and especially against teams that have already played. Now, Howard – and uh, Delaware State did not play a lot of games, but ultimately played some games, right? I think some two games, three games, better than no games, ultimately, especially when you're talking. And, and listen, I mean, Howard had prepared for some games, too. And, you know, the whole COVID situation was just really a just a mess, uh, ultimately, for Howard. But I just think that when you look at South Carolina State, Wow, I mean, really a good spring season finished. I don't have it in front of me. Top five, top six in the box to row coaches and media polls. And I think ultimately South Carolina State's going to win that conference. And I think it's going to be a good season. Don't sleep on the MEAC. Yes, 
We look at the SWAC, 12 teams, 12 good teams, exciting. There's no question about that, but do not sleep on the MEAC. In subsequent weeks, we'll take a look at Tennessee State. We'll take a look at North Carolina A&T. We'll take a look at Hampton, and then ultimately we're going to take a look at the SIAC and the CIAA, of course, in subsequent weeks as well. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. We've got great content on our website at BoxToRow.com. Don't forget about our website at BoxToRow.com. We've got some really exciting events that are coming up. And uh, we'll be announcing those in the next couple of weeks or so via our website, via our Twitter page, which is at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, via our Facebook page, which is B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Also, ultimately, via uh, our Instagram page, which is also B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Again, cannot, absolutely cannot wait for the start of the football season. Of course, the NBA Finals game four, game five, excuse me, ultimately going to be played on Saturday in Phoenix, and we'll ultimately see how things play out there. I want to welcome our newest affiliate. We're back on in Orangeburg, South Carolina. Extremely excited about that right in the heart of Orangeburg, South Carolina, and those listening to us on the new sports station, WPJK 92.9 FM. Thank you for making Box to Row a part of your day. And always remember to support those that support you. From the press box to press row is presented by DW Communications. It's time to feel and face. I know that you're afraid. I'm gonna walk away. It's time to feel and face. You know I'm bad in love. But you can't blame me for trying. 